Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Michael McCoy Show. I would start rapping, but I don't know the lyrics to the song, and Mystical Rap's too fast anyway. I'm not about to make a fool of myself on national radio. So, what's up, everybody? It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks since I've been on air. Last week was not feeling too well. Week before that, uh, we had to take a break, and, you know, there's been testing going on. But we're here today, May 19th. 2020. Hope everybody's having a great day so far. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. We have missed out on the NFL draft. We have missed out on NFL uh, scheduling uh, when it came out, I think, like last week. Uh, Playing started a couple of days ago. The playoffs are starting in a couple of days. There's a lot to cover. I can't go on talking about everything, but, you know, we'll touch on as much as we can. So, um, hope you guys are ready because I am. I'm hyped. Like I said, it's been a while, so it's glad to be back. Um, what I can tell you is that there are three pretty cool guests calling in today. Two of them will be joining us in the next segment. We're going to be talking hoops for a good amount of the show uh, for at least two, three segments straight. So I got uh, Rich Rodriguez calling in and um, his boy Kason Davis. You guys know Kason. He's been calling in for uh, a couple times, but this time we're having that whole crew from the Rundown Show call in uh, in the next segment to talk some hoops. Those guys really know their stuff and have really, really good material. You're going to enjoy the segments to follow, so uh, keep it locked on here after this segment. And then after that, I believe at 120, we're going to have Frank Fort calling in. And for the very first time in the show, we're going to talk some puck, some um, NHL playoffs and Florida Panthers hockey. Uh, little known secret, not so little known anymore. I used to be, and I emphasize used to be, a huge hockey fan. Huge, 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 huge. I'm talking about I had the net set up in my backyard. I uh, pull it up to the front of the house. Roll play. I had inline skates, uh, rollerblades. I had that goalie equipment. I was, a, I was a street hockey king. I was pretty badass at it, too. And um, I stopped because after a while, wasn't there like stoppages of play in, in the NHL, like towards the uh, turn of the century, like 2000, 2001, around that time? And it just completely turned me off because just imagine you being a big fan of the sport and then they just stop playing for whatever, uh, you know, whatever bargaining reason it is. I believe it happened twice in a matter of like five years. Completely turned me off. And right now, if I turn on a hockey game, I can't even recognize who's on the ice. But... Frank Ford's going to be calling in to talk about that. And if you guys don't know she, who he is, you should. Uh, former voice of the Hurricanes over on Sun Sports back in the day. And he's overdoing FAU football right now. He's a host and producer for one of the FAU football shows. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, I, came up, I came across a really interesting list. And I wanted to share with you guys because it had me thinking about different nicknames in sports, period. So I have the 75 best sports nicknames of all time. And there is one nickname on here that I cannot believe is not on the list, all right? And I'll share it with you in a little bit. But just to name a few, okay? LeBron James is on here. King James, hoo-ha, whatever. Marvin, uh, Marvin Hagler, they called him Marvelous. Sir Charles, also known as Chuck, you know, Charles Barkley. Ted Williams, Teddy Ballgame, I think that's pretty cool. Joe DiMaggio was known as a Yankee Clipper. Uh, Frank, you got any sports nicknames that you kind of that kind of ring true to you that you kind of hold close to your heart? Air. I knew that. I should have known that. I should have known that. It, how cool is it when you when you go by just Air, bro? Like, you goes, don't even go by your whole name. But just he, goes, either. he goes by Air or Mike. Like, and you by you say just saying Mike. You already know who you're talking about. Like MJ, his airness. I've heard so many of them, but Air, yes. Um, I'm going to keep going on this list, and I just can't, I'm not going to name all 75. I just have a few, uh, few uh, uh, you know, 
picked out Evander, the real deal, Holyfield. I, I have one. I have one for you. 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 My favorite hockey nickname of all time. Hold on. Wait. What team? Uh, I think he played for Toronto. It's old. It's an old name. Hold on. Is it like 90s old? I'll tell you the name of the player, and you tell me if you can figure out the nickname. Tell me the name. Felix Potvin. Ooh, Felix Potvin. He did Panthers hockey for a while. Oh, no, broadcasting for a while. He was a defenseman, right? He was a goalie. He was a goalie. Felix. Oh, Felix Potvin. I thought you meant Dennis Potvin. Okay. Oh, Felix. Oh, the, the cat, right? Felix the cat. Yes. And then Ed Belfour was Eddie the Hawk. The Hawk. Ed Belfour was a badass. Ed, Ed Buffer, we're going to have uh, Frank Fort calling in, and I, I got to talk to him about some old school hockey because the new school stuff I got to kind of get caught up with. But um, Iron Mike, okay, that was a good one. The one that's not on this list that I could not believe, I think this is the best sports nickname of all time. He was a, he was a solid basketball player. wasn't, you know, the greatest. But remember Andre Karolenko for the Utah Jazz? Yeah, AK-47. That was the best. Best nickname ever. The most clever nickname ever. AK-47. Why? His initials obviously are AK. Wore the number 47. It would just fit like a dream. And that's not even on this list. All right? Uh, Yard Barker. Yardbarker.com. I'm looking at their website right now. And they have the best, you know, nicknames of all time. Sean Matrix Marion uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers did it all. Babe Ruth, the Sultan of SWAT. That one's kind of epic. I got to admit. That one's kind of epic. Larry Bird, the hick from French Lick. Isn't that kind of like... Uh, that wouldn't know. be appropriate in today's day. <laughs> yeah, you can't get away with that too much uh, nowadays, especially if you want to try to tweet something like that. Uh, Joe Cool, Joe Montana. This list is really cool. I should go ahead and tweet it and share it. I think the most idiotic nickname I've ever seen in pro sports is probably Swaggy P, Nick Young. I don't know what he was trying to do there, all right, with, with that, what he was trying to prove, who he was trying to talk to, but... Swaggy P just needed not to be swagged out so much. But um, playing games, playing games in the NBA. And it's funny because uh, in front of me is ESPN, you know, uh, first taken. They're talking about uh, which team making a run would be more intriguing. They're talking about the playing game that's going to be tonight between the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. And I just find it funny how LeBron James is involved in a playing game when he thinks or feels that the person that approved this should be fired. How, I mean, is I think that's absolutely hilarious. So 7-8 matchup, all right? The winner of this game locks in the seventh seed in the NBA playoffs in the Western Conference. The loser of this game will play the winner, will play the winner between Memphis and San Antonio. All right, uh, between Memphis and San Antonio, whoever loses that game is out. They're eliminated. And so um, assuming Golden State or whoever loses today, like I said, they'll play the winner of um, – Oh, Jesus Christ. We'll be right back. After Woo! This. <laughs> the energy in the room. I guess you're going for Golden State there, Larry? Yeah. Tell me why. Because LeBron. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another salty Heat fan. Uh, <laughs> come out and play. If I had a mic, I'd drop it, but I don't have one. I have one in front of me, and I don't feel like breaking the serious equipment that'll probably come out of my check in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to keep going here. I, too, am going for the Warriors, but not for the reasons of me disliking so much LeBron as a player. Uh, I'm all right with LeBron. We're going to talk about LeBron. I have this whole segment that I want to talk with Rich and Kason uh, about. But, um, yeah, man, I just find it funny because if this person that approved this playing, uh, you know, these playing tournaments, 
didn't, then LeBron wouldn't be in the, in the postseason right now, probably. Um, was, I, who knows? But what I also found interesting about the playing games is these stats go for nothing. Okay, so Jason Tatum's 50 point game last night is lost in the abyss of NBA history because it doesn't count as a playoff game and it doesn't count as a regular season game. This needs to count for something. All right, because let's say you have something that's never happened before in NBA history. It's going to be for not, you know, if you have, say, I don't know, two teams scoring in the 160s or something like that, or a game that goes into quadruple overtime and you have these crazy things that happen in the game statistics or whatever the case is. It just doesn't exist after today because it's just a playing game. That doesn't make any sense. Just a playing game? If it was just a playing game, you, uh, something that's just something doesn't determine the fate of a team season, whether you keep fighting to live another day. <coughs> Excuse me. So I don't know. I, I don't like that because, like I said, Jason Tatum's 50-point game last night, he balled, will not be accounted for anything at all in, his, in the history books and, uh, you know, 50-point games in NBA history. Just won't happen. But going back to the Lakers and Warriors game, I hate to bring this up, but not really, okay? Because I just, I got to gloat every now and then. It's not every day that I'm right about something like this. So, Frank knows this. He's probably going to be blue in the face already because I've said it so many times. But at the beginning of the NBA season, only because of the simple fact that uh, Chris, and, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Thompson, Tristan, Chris Thompson um, was not playing in this season, and didn't play last season. I predicted, you know, this is an MVP type year for Steph. Will he, will he win it is another story. But guess what LeBron James says? LeBron James says that that's this year's MVP, period. I don't know anything else if you're looking for an MVP. If Steph is not on Golden State's team, what are we looking at? We get caught up in the record sometimes, he says. Steph has had, in my opinion, the best season all year. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back about that, all right? Because everybody that likes to listen to LeBron James, listen to that, all right? Again, an MVP season, a rookie of the year, a coach of the year, that does not really have to do with – it's not a popularity – it shouldn't be a popularity contest, but it is, and it always goes to maybe like the best team on the best – the best guy on the best team or best, you know, best record or whatever the case is, and I hate that. So it's good to see a team that may not even make the playoffs at 39 and 33 – uh, the Golden State Warriors, a guy on that team, be considered heavily, okay, in my opinion, he's the top dog, and Chris Paul's part of the second for MVP. But it, I, I feel it's magnified more because somebody like LeBron James said it, all right? Somebody that uh, is in the running to win MVP every year and everybody listens to, he said that. So I like that a lot. And him uh, tipping his hat to, I don't want to call him a rival, but on-court rivals, you could say. I mean, they should be. They face each other however many times they did in the NBA Finals uh, when uh, LeBron was back in Cleveland. But, um, yeah, man, I'm looking at the TV right now. Jason Tatum, 50 points, 14 to 32 field goals last night, eight rebounds, four assists, 50 points. And, you know, the Celtics beat the Wizards. So now the Wizards, they're going to go ahead and play. Who do they play? They play the loser between. Uh, they don't the play anybody, actually. Oh, that was the 9-10 matchup? Yeah, because the no, that was the 7-8. Sorry, that was the 9-10 matchup, oh, but the okay. 9 was Boston, I believe. So then they Oh, they the 9 up. was Boston. Okay. So then um Indiana, they won and they beat Charlotte. So then the next game is who? I think Washington's I, playing, Frank. I have to I have to double check on everything. Is there another game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Washington's playing. Oh, this is playing. so confusing, bro. Like Well, so 7 plays 8 and then 9 plays 10. Whoever loses 9 and 10 is out. All right, they're automatically out because they were the lower of the four playing teams. The loser of seven eight plays the winner of nine and ten. Yeah, I don't like this. It's too confusing. They should <laughs> no, bro. Look, look. They should have just made two games. Winner of the two games play each other, and that's it. Or the winner of the two games is seven and eight. Why are 
There's no reason to be doing double elimination or single elimination. It's it's just very confusing. But whatever I agree with it is. I like it though because since LeBron's sweating him. his ass off, I like it. Oh, <laughs> By the way, is LeBron going to be saying the same stuff tonight once Steph Curry waxes that ass? Man, listen, I, I don't know who to pick that game tonight. I honestly don't know who's who. Who do I know who I want to see advance because I like the story for Golden State, but I don't know who's going to win. LeBron's not at a hundred, man. It's I mean, LeBron's going to come out with whatever. Theatrics is gonna be possible in order to win the game, but I don't see him. I do. I don't see him doing the LeBron things that we're used to seeing him do. You know what I think is we're gonna see tonight. I think we're gonna be seeing a lot of defense. I don't think. I don't. I, my prediction is neither team sniffs one twenty. I don't think so. How's LeBron gonna be able to play defense on that one ankle? I don't know, man. If 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 it's a real injury, if because I'm still not oh, believing the injury. Oh yeah, the thing that we took. I'm yeah, not yeah, believing yeah, the injury. Yeah, yeah, it uh, was one of those Greg Popovich maintenance plans of his. <laughs> <laughs> showing up to next to the courtside, drinking wine out of a, cl- of a cup. Get out of here, jokes. <laughs> We're going to see what the guys have to say about that. Kaysan Davis and Rich Rodriguez coming up in the next segment. They're on from the Rundown Show. So um, stick around, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a good half hour of basketball talk for the next segment or two on the Michael McCoy Show. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 145, Stein Radio. Keep it locked. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They are going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. 
Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Gotta hear what Curtis gotta say, man. If we had a hoop in the studio, I'd probably be. No, I wouldn't. But <laughs> you get the idea. We ain't we ain't playing basketball right now. We're gonna be talking NBA basketball, playing playoffs, you name it. Uh, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Thank you everyone for sticking around with us throughout that last break. And let's do it, man. I got my boy Kason Davis. I got Rich Negron Perez. Is it Rich Perez Negron? I'm so, yes, Rich Perez Negron. I called him Rich Rodriguez in the last segment. My bad, Rich. My bad. But um, from the Rundown Show, and if you guys don't follow them, please do. They got good work going on over there. Uh, Rich's Instagram, I'm sorry, uh, Twitter handle is at richreport94. Kason's is kddavis underscore 75. Am I correct? Yep. And you can follow both of them. Really, really good insight. And then follow their rundown show as well. Uh, they talk hoops all the time. And they're one of the few minds that, you know, I like to listen to because they know what the hell they're talking. There's nothing worse than going to a barbershop and hearing people talk crap. And it's just refreshing when you find those people that, that can hold the conversation. Fellas, how you doing? Doing well, Mike. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Okay, so good, man. Good to hear. Let's get right to it, man. Thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. And so, you know, we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of the play-ins and the playoffs and all of that stuff. And um, before we actually get into that, there's something that's really been bothering me, and I just want to get your opinion about it because uh, I can't stand this this slander, this hate that that Russell Westbrook gets. And if you guys are one of those guys, please feel free. Look, we got an open table here, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about – a lot more, but I, I think the Russell Westbrook stuff is unwarranted. And if tr averaging a triple double was so easy, we'd see it a lot more often. Rich, man, can you kind of tell me where the hell I'm wrong with this, or if I'm on point with the people need to stop with it? And I, I don't think he inflates his stats. Uh, he passed a great in Oscar Robertson, so why didn't Oscar Robertson get that type of hate back in the day? How do you feel about that? 
I'm actually on par with you, and I've said that on the show multiple times. Kason, he kind of, Kason will go like a little a different way, but more so just to play devil's advocate. I, okay. I can't really say I know where the hate comes from. I agree that, you know, if, if it was so easy, everybody would do it. I mean, you got a guy like LeBron James, you know, and just the freak athlete that he is. He That's not even something that that he went after i think russ is russ is just a different breed what he does is unmatched like there i really believe as a competitor there's not a fiercer competitor in the league than him i, I maybe the slant the slander might have started after the the kd departure from oklahoma city because the blame of, of why kd didn't want to stay there yeah. uh went went his way but but to your point, like 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 you said, if it was so easy, everybody else would do it. And the stat, what he, what he does on the floor is unmatched for the people that want to say that um, he's he's inflating his stats. Yeah. You know, may, maybe you could maybe you could say that the the rebounds are a little inflated because guys kind of let him get to the hole to, to to get those sometimes. But and I, I've told Case on a million times, I really believe this. He is for sure a top five point guard in the league today. His passing oh, ability yeah. is yeah, extremely yeah. it's extremely underrated. And if you're going all time, like maybe you don't you don't necessarily want to have to put him in that conversation as top five. But as a point guard, he's got to be in that conversation. I believe that. And I don't think it's crazy. Look, I've been, and Kaysan knows this, I've been calling Steph Curry the best point guard in the NBA pretty much all season. And that's kind of been tough for me to say because I love Chris Paul. You know, look what he's doing. But when you have a guy that's doing this, I mean, you got to consider him being at least a top, one of the top players at his position, at least top three in whatever year. I mean, Kaysan, go ahead, give me some devil's advocate. Uh, well, no, nah, I'm kind of on par with you guys. It's just when we talk about it, I kind of just give why people may, you know, have a little bit of hate. And for me, really, it's just in this new era of basketball, it's always shooting, shooting, shooting. Right. Since Westerick is not that much of a shooter, a lot of his hate comes there. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he he can't shoot, so that's the first thing you say about someone. Oh yeah, Westbrook's good, but he can't shoot. And this new era of basketball, not being able to shoot, he gets some hate for that. And then just when you look at his stats just right there, you have to watch him because I was actually talking to my friend last night who's a D.C. fan, but he never watched Westbrook before he got to D.C. And he was just going off about how much he loves Westbrook. (laughs) And I'm like, that's the thing. You have to watch him because you just look and see the stats. You're like, oh, that's some video game stuff. It's like unbelievable. So people just hate without really watching. So it's like, oh, obviously he's that padded. Nobody's just doing that. You can't just do that. But now my friend's getting to watch him. You see firsthand, like, okay. Like, no, he he really does that. And I think that's where some of the hate comes from, too. Like, people don't really watch him. You just look and see the stats and say, nah, that's some video game stuff. Like, there's no way someone's right. doing that. But I always tell people, I encourage people, go play basketball. Try to just get a, <laughs> try to just do what he does. Just try to sit there and pass the ball to people and see if they can make it just because you pass the ball to them. Like, you still have to set them up yeah, for right. them to take a shot. Like, you can kick it to him every now and then and someone may hit a shot with them on him, but you're not getting 15, 20 assists. Like that. Absolutely. You not. still have to set mm-hmm. that person up. So I always challenge people who say that, like, you go do it. You go stat pad. You go do all that. <laughs> and let me see what you can do. My thing is, like, I, you know, there's a lot of people that said, like, you know, what the hell is he doing taking the last shot of the game when he has Kevin Durant on his team? Obviously, when he was with, you know, OKC. Uh, OKC. And um, my thing with that is, like, okay, somebody made up a point, and I, I don't want to make this my own, but um, that he was the alpha on that team, and maybe KD wasn't. KD 
was the best player, but that best player probably needed an alpha. And you can't tell me, I can't name many more alphas in the room when Russell Westbrook is in it or on the court when Russ is on it. And so if it feels like he's in the groove, he's going to look. Russell Westbrook is like Kobe Bryant is like any other pure score. They don't, there's no bad shot for them. Okay. There's no such thing as a bad shot for them. And, you know, I appreciate that. And the level of play that he, the intensity he plays with, I'm sorry, but you can't sit here and tell me that doesn't reflect on his teammates and make his teammates want to run faster, get down court quicker, or whatever the case is, because that stuff is contagious. But I just want to get you guys' opinion on that. And um, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say the comment on both of those things. One was, because I watched OPC a lot that day. If you really watch them, you could blame some of it on the plays and just some of it on, like, teams know that they're trying to get the ball to KD. Mm-hmm. So if you, you watch the end of their games, mm-hmm. a lot of times Westbrook would hold the ball for 15 seconds, and then KD's not open, so now he has to make something happen. Dang. So sometimes it's like he took the last shot, but it's like he didn't have another option because the other team is so focused on KD not getting him open. It's like, okay, now you got to go yeah. do something. So now he tries to do There's something. Also- but there's also a lot of revisionist history with with those two uh, in in that last season together. Like a lot of people want to put that blame on on Russ for the for them falling short, blowing the three one lead, and and he definitely deserves some blame for mm-hmm. it. But Kevin Durant did not play well at all down down the stretch of that series against Golden State either. And the other the other thing to, to your point about being an alpha on the team. As great of a player as KD is, and there's nothing wrong with this, as great of a player as KD is, he's kind of showed us with, you know, going to Golden State and even moving to Brooklyn, team, teaming up with certain guys. He's, he's not much of an alpha, and he doesn't really have a problem with that. That's a good point. No, that's a good point. And I'm glad we touched on it. I'm glad to hear, you know, different opinions on it because, you know, that's that's what we do here. But um, moving on, and – and Rich, this this is more towards you because I was on whenever the last time that Kason was on, and we were talking about Steph and everything like that. You saw the email that I sent you guys last night about things that we want to talk about. So, um, you know, Steph, he going about you know continuing kind of on the conversation of guys that get heat for whatever. Steph is one of those guys that uh, kind of gets blamed for not being able to lead his team when they need him, whether it be in the postseason, the regular season, whatever the case is. More so in the postseason. All right. We just saw what he did in the regular season, and he's going to be in the running for MVP. You know, led the league in scoring again, and he's playing like this is probably the best season of his career, considering there's really no other elite player next to him, all right? Does his performance this season kind of wash away uh, what guys like to say about him not being able to lead a team, or do people like that still need to see it in the postseason? Yeah, I don't want to say it washes it away. He's definitely turned me me into a believer, but we we should he, he's got to show that in the postseason. Okay, and we're we're gonna get a glimpse of that when they when they go up against the Lakers, and the, the, I think the ratings should be through the roof for, for, for that game because all the the, the storylines that come with it. But he's definitely made me a believer this season, mainly because we're seeing him do it with with without his running mate. Right. Play. I mean, you could say Draymond's his running mate, but it, that backcourt, you know, is, is just different. Right. So he he's made me a believer, and I mean I've even said on the show if if they end up if they were to play either one or two seed, I I might pick them. Wow. To, to be I I, I definitely I I I told Kason on this when we when we did the show last uh, if they end up playing Utah in that one eight matchup, I, I'm going upset with Golden State. That's an intriguing matchup if it happens. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just saying. I was just speaking my mind on no, that. No, no. 
it's, it's fine. But yeah, I mean, like he's what what he's doing is unmatched. He should he should he should be in the MVP conversation again. Yeah, it it, it, def, it definitely helps a ton. But I would want to see it in in the postseason. What about you, Kaysa? How do you feel about that? Uh, well, obviously for the regular season, I think he's changed everybody's mind. Last year, he only came out and played like five games. Right. It didn't look too well. And to start this season, it was more of the same, and then he kind of just took off. So I think all that, he, him not being able to lead a team, at least to like the playoffs, because mm-hmm. a lot of people put up Harden and Westbrook when they were by themselves. And Westbrook didn't really do much in the playoffs. They went out in the first round. Harden went out in the first round a couple of times, but it was about they got that team to the playoffs. Yeah. No matter who was with them, they got them there. So now Steph can at least say, it, not something they say is that say he can't lead a team to the playoffs by uh-huh. himself. Now, from there, it's going to be about matchups because you think about yes. Westbrook's chance. He went up against the third seed Rockets. Like, no one really knocks him for losing that series. Uh-huh. And, then he, and then it's about how well he plays in the series, too, because Westbrook played really well when he was on the court. The team really lost the series when he wasn't on right, the court. Right. So, like, as long as he comes out now and plays well in the playoffs, he doesn't even have to win the series. At least get one game, play really well, I think it'll, it'll knock off the naysayers. I think those two things together. I'm hoping that we see a good game. I, I was saying before the show on air with one of the guys that's in the studio, for some reason, for some – I don't even have an explanation as to why I feel like this, but, I mean, it's playoff basketball, man. I think we're going to see a lot of defense tonight. I think we're going to see a lot of defense tonight. I don't think we see these crazy 120 scores. I could be absolutely wrong. I mean, I mean, <laughs> we have no idea in knowing, but I just think it's going to be intense to the point because – LeBron's already looking stupid about saying what he said about, you know, the whole playing thing. And number one, he's in it. So he's going to want to come out balls, you know, hair on fire, balls to the wall. That's number one. Number two, um, I think they're going to want to whoever, well, both teams tonight, they're going to want to set the tone and set an idea for the teams that they're going to be playing once the playoffs are actually set and the seedings are known. Because, like you said, it's going to be either Utah or or or. Or, or, or Phoenix, one of these two, because I still think that uh, these two teams are going to be getting in seven and eight because the loser of today's game is going to play the winner of San Antonio and Memphis. And I think either of these two teams will win that matchup. So I think it's going to stay at seven and eight. And I'm glad you got, brought that up about uh, Utah, Rich, because um, I can't say I don't, I, I don't buy the hype, but I, I guess I got to see it first in the, in the playoffs because we're seeing it in the regular season, but it's a whole different thing. Right. Coming, uh, you know, about Utah. Um, I didn't really have that as a talking point, but since you brought that up, let's talk about Utah real quick. And really quick, uh, Quinn Snyder didn't win Coach of the Year award. Monty Williams won that. Either guy would have been deserving. Either guy would have been deserving. My Coach of the Year was Tibbs. Um, I think he did a lot more with a lot less. But obviously, you can't go wrong with a guy that led his team to one of the best records in the NBA. Uh, why didn't Quinn Snyder get it, being that Utah did have the best record in, in the NBA? Why, I found that interesting. If you were going to give it to one of those Western Conference guys, why not give it to Quinn? Why, why do you think that Monty did get it, Kaysan? Uh I think he got it because Monty Williams came, his team came further along than the Jazz because the Jazz were already a good team. They were in the playoffs last year. So they made another jump to get to that one seed. But it wasn't a jump from being the worst team in the league to being yeah. the number one team in the league. So I think Monty Williams being able to make that jump from the bottom of the Western Conference to the top is kind of what got him. Utah made made the jump from like the middle of the Western Conference yeah. to the top, so it wasn't that big of a jump. Okay. So I just think that the overall growth for those two is kind of like why Phoenix got it over. Okay. Utah. You feel the same way, Rich? Yeah, I mean, we've seen Utah in the postseason consistently now for, for a few years. I think the other reason why Monty Williams ended up winning it was because we saw the growth from the bubble last year. 
and then right. coming into this year. Obviously, True. Chris Paul is, is a huge reason why, why they took another step as well. But when you when you take what they did last year and then combine that with this year, I, I could see why, why they made that decision to give it to him. Let's roll over to the Eastern Conference really quick because I really want to talk about Philly and um, – and Brooklyn and KD and all those guys. Uh, by the way, listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio, joined by Rich Perez Negron and my buddy Kason Davis, both of them on the Rundown Show. Please follow them on Twitter. Follow that show because if you're a hoop head, um, these are these are some two guys you're gonna want to listen to, and you know just take on in their uh, listen to their insight. So let me ask you guys: for Philly to win the Eastern Conference, what do you think it's gonna take? All right, um, I'll tell you right off the bat: I think it's gonna take. And this is obvious, but not only in be dominating, but in be dominating down low where he's supposed to, and stop trying to, you know, extend his game out further so much. Which I admit to saying, I think that we've seen that kind of subside a little bit ever since the arrival of Doc. I think the first thing that Doc told uh, Joel is park your ass in the paint this season a lot more than floating around on the perimeter. And I think that's why he's being considered a lot uh, for MVP talk. But other than some significant injuries for Brooklyn, what do you think it's going to take for Philly to win the East? We'll start with Rich. Uh, it comes down to what you said, and, and be doing doing what he what he's best at. And they they and and also Ben Simmons. Those those two guys ha- have to come. It's, it's it's easier said than done, but those two guys have to come with it for that series. They're both guys that have been doing a lot of talking when it comes to yeah to Brooklyn and what they put together. But those guys they they've got they've got to come with it. I know Ben Simmons isn't the greatest shooter that's really the only weakness in his game it but he's, he's got to at least attempt those shots and they've, they've got the three-point shooting there those guys just got to knock those shots down how, how do you feel the same way about that uh Kason? do you see something else that maybe we don't uh obviously like you said to me ben simmons is going to be the bigger part i feel okay. like he's going to be and be see like i've been saying for a while now ben simmons is going to have to figure it out when it comes to playoff time yeah he's, really zone in and make a defense for you and they sag off of you, kind of like Pop used to do to LeBron yeah. when they went up against each other in the playoffs. When someone has a game plan for you, I think it's harder for the people who can't shoot. Like we were saying, mm-hmm. I've been a Westbrook fan for a while now. I've seen them in the playoffs where teams start to gear up on them and players who can't shoot, it's kind of hard for them. But to give another one, I think their shooters have to step up too. There you go. Obviously, if their shooters are playing well, that opens up more of the court for uh, Ben Simmons. So, I feel like the other guys that Shaq always talks about, the other guys got to have mm-hmm. to step up. So that'll make the game easier for yeah. Ben Simmons to go off. And then once Ben Simmons starts going off, it'll make it easier for Embiid. They can't double as much. So to start off, obviously Ben Simmons. But to give something other than what you guys said, I think the shooters really have to step up. And they really surround themselves with shooters this year. So and this that, is their time to turn. No, you're 100% right. I mean, that was Philly's Achilles heel the past few years. Where's the shooting? Where's the shooting guy? Jimmy Butler got Tobias. You got... You know, the guys you just talked about, great. But now, and they really only had, um, what's Buddy that was uh, with Duke? Um, J.J. Reddick. They had, had J.J. Reddick, but that's really the only guy they had in terms of a pure knockdown shooter that you could not leave open. Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is playing like, I love the way his game is playing. I, I think he's kind of like a, I don't want to call him a poor man's Jimmy Butler, but their games remind me a lot of the same because of the simple fact that it's not flashy. It gets the job done and they just take what the defense gives them, both of those guys. And um, 
I actually think Tobias probably is a little more skilled offensively because there's just a lot of things you don't see Jimmy Butler do. Jimmy Butler, and I love him, he's as fundamental as they come. I love that. I think that if you are a master at fundamentals in today's NBA, you could easily average at least double figures because nobody has nobody has that in their back pocket anymore in terms of um of fundamentals but I, I agree with that I mean I don't think anybody's beating uh I know that everybody likes to talk about their defense and the lack thereof whatever the case is but it doesn't matter when you got those guys e- e- one of them can have a bad game. You still have two of them. And even if two of them has a bad game, it's not going to be a terrible to the point that you still have that third guy that's probably going to give you 25 or more. Um, they've barely played together this season. I think they played something like close to 10 games, that trio over in Brooklyn. But, right. you know, they're getting healthy, so we'll see what's going to happen. Um, there's something else I wanted to share with you guys or talk to you and get your opinion on before we get to the next segment. We're about to close this one out. Um, Boston's locked into the seventh seed right now. You know, after beating Washington uh, – He's a Wizards and the Pacers in a must-win situation because Indy, you know, they mopped the floor with Charlotte last night. Um, which Eastern Conference matchup do you guys find the most intriguing? I'll go first, and I'm going to tell you why. I think the most interesting one, I'm going to keep my eye on this series a lot, is Miami and Milwaukee because, obviously, Milwaukee got embarrassed last year. Miami played well. Miami played well. And I hate to say this, but I got to say it. There's going to be some, some uh, talking point for you both to bounce off of, but – I do think, and I get it, everybody had to play in the bubble. Everybody had to play in the bubble, so everybody was facing the same adversity. But I think some teams felt more comfortable in the bubble than others, all right? If, and obviously, a lot of people like to say Miami took advantage of that more than anybody else. But I think this series is going to be different because of the simple fact that it's not the same Milwaukee team. And I, I feel that they got better in the offseason, and I don't think Miami got better. Miami looked like it was going to be a problem at the trade deadline once they got, you know, all the deep on the roster. But then, I'm, you know, he had suffered an unfortunate injury. He's out for the season. But I'm going to pay attention to that matchup. I have no idea who's going to win it. All right, because Spolter is a dog when it comes to, you know, decision makings. But I, that's my most intriguing matchup in the East. How do you guys feel? Uh, I guess I'll take it first. I, I, I agree that that's the most. It, it, I think if, if Washington ends up as an eight seed going up, or excuse me, uh, seventh. No, eight seed. I'm sorry. But you don't forget that talking point. I got, I got lost in translation a little it's bit. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to go with that one. I had actually said all of last year that I thought Miami was going to be the biggest issue for Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Even during the regular season, they, they were given the, the, first, the first game that they played against Milwaukee, Jimmy Butler didn't even play, and, right. and they beat them there. I know this year Jimmy Butler hasn't played a single game, and I'm, I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct. He hasn't played a single game against Milwaukee this season, so you have that going going in. Mm. And on, on top of that, yes, they did get better adding Drew Holiday. It's going to be a much, a much, a much, uh, a, a, a big piece for them. But at at the same time, I, I think we still have the same talking points that we had the last couple of years. Gian, Giannis has has improved his, his jump shot. But we still haven't seen it come yeah. through when we need it. Yeah. I think it's going because you know Miami's going to run the zone on him. You right. know what's coming. It's going. To, I think Milwaukee is going to go as far as Giannis can take them. So if he's going to take that next step in his game, then Milwaukee should win this series. But if not, it, I, I see an upset again. How do you see this going, Kason? What's your most intriguing matchup in the East? Yeah, I think for everything you guys said and the storyline and it being a rematch, I think that is 
maybe it. But I'm I'm gonna go with, and I'm gonna give New York a shout out. Here. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Knicks versus the Hawks. It's the four five matchup. That's if you think one. about the off season, we all talked about how kind of moves the moves that the Hawks made, and how we thought they were great moves picking yeah. up those guys over there. And we thought that maybe they could make that jump. They were able to make it to the playoffs, get the four seed. And then the Knicks. The Knicks have been all the talk this year. Yeah. We talked about Tim's winning coach of the year. Julius Randle's kind of maybe an MVP talk. And I guess me being from New York, I hear a lot of Knicks chatter and talking about the Knicks are back. So I think this is a big series for the Knicks. If the Knicks can come out and win this series, then you definitely can start screaming at their back. And there was a couple of reports not too long ago that a superstar may try to force his way over to New York. So I think this will only help that and encourage that some more. So I think this is a big series for the Knicks to get back on the right track to maybe get some people over there or just to, you know, really let the, the nation see, like, okay, the Knicks are back. This is not a fluke. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Knicks versus the Hawks. And then Trey Young also, too, him being on the big stage, playoff time, people being able to see him because Atlanta hasn't been that good yet. See him shoot from half court like Stephen Curry and the rest of them. They can get his name up there to kind of be up there, maybe one of the top point guards. Okay, okay, all right. Um, I like that. And you want to know what I got the Knicks in that series because Thibodeau knows how to wins and knows how to win in the playoffs. And you know that defense. I'm sorry, but to me it, it matters. There are three things mm-hmm. that I used to, I used to say three. All right, I say four now. You need four things, in my opinion, to win in the playoffs. All right, in no particular order. You need defense, all right? You got to be able to score in the half court, okay? And you have to be able to rebound. You just can't give the other team a second opportunity, especially if they're one of the better scoring teams in the league. Those are the three that I grew up believing in. The one that I kind of added myself to this list after seeing how basketball has changed over the couple years because, you know, the past few years with mismatches and, uh, you know, people playing five out in offense and pick and rolls and stuff like that is you got to be able to have interchangeable parts defensively. And that's probably why I thought the – not probably. It is why the Warriors were so good when they were winning championships because they had guys that can cover – two, three, and four guys defensively. Clay was covering all these guys. Steph, uh, you know, could really only cover one guy on the court, but you had Iggy. Uh, you know, you had you had a whole bunch of other guys, obviously Draymond, and those guys were covering several guys on the court. So I think that that is super-duper important in today's game. But um, really quick, yeah, yeah, let's step aside really quick. You guys are going to stand on the line. We'll be back on the other side of the break because we're still talking basketball with the boys over from a rundown show. So everybody, if you just uh, uh, appreciate you, Listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. So I'm ready. We'll be right back. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. 
You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Fire with the Nas joint rolling in in the background. You listen to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. 
Got my boys Kason Davis and Rich Perez. Now get on calling in. They are on the line from the Rundown Show. Please, please, please go over to their page and uh, listen to their content that they got. Some really good stuff. So we're just vibing right now, talking some hoops, some play in and play off talk right now. And uh, I just want to get into some hypotheticals because I tweeted something. I was just, you know, watching some basketball last week. And I said, you know what? This is going to be a good talking point. So I want to bring it up. So, guys. Hear me out first. I'm going to let you roll with it, and I'm going to tell you what I think. But um, I'm watching LeBron play, and I have a love-hate relationship with him. It is because I give him a chance to do well all the time, and he ends up disappointing me every chance that he gets, all right? But um, is LeBron is, what, 6'8", 250-plus, let's call it 260, all right? If the man was an average-sized athlete, okay, in the NBA, like, say, I don't know, 6'6", 216, which is what Michael Jordan played at, but don't tell anybody. Um, is that is LeBron still the same player, all right? I'm talking about having the same skills, just change his body type. And I'll tell you why I asked that question. I am not trying to take anything from LeBron, but in my opinion, his, his athleticism and his size is a huge reason as to why he's so dominant, all right? There's nothing wrong with taking advantage of what, you know, God blessed you with, but... I'm just wondering if he will be the same exact player because he's smart as hell, okay? Sees the court all over the place, very smart, very athletic, and, you know, he knows the game. He knows mismatches, takes advantage of them. I'm going to sit here and tell you no, but that doesn't mean he's gonna be, that he can't be one of the best players in the NBA. But that whole MVP talk for every season, that whole best player in the world every season, I think that gets thrown out the window if he's as big as Kobe, as big as Mike, as big as – uh, you know, a Jimmy Butler, let's say. How do you guys feel about that? Let's start with you, Kason. Uh I think, obviously, you know, I don't think he'll be the same player. I kind of agree with everything you were just saying. I think if he was a, a little smaller, he would have to maybe rely on more skill. Like you said, I think right now his athleticism and just how strong he is, you can see how he kind of just bullies people to the paint. Obviously, later on in his career, he's developed a little fadeaway out the post and mm-hmm. got his jump shot together. But if you think about when Brian first started, his jump shot and stuff kind of wasn't there. That came later on. Right. So I think if he was a different size, kind of like Kobe and them, he would be more like Kobe. I mean, he would have developed more, start off with more skill and figure maybe all that other stuff out later, whereas before he started off with all that athleticism and it figured all the skill stuff out later. So I think it would kind of be reversed. He would have to have some skill first okay. and kind of – put all the other stuff together later just because uh, his height, he's not going to be able to run over people, so he's going to have to get to certain right. spots and raise up over people and, you know, have footwork and this and that instead of just kind of quick crossover, bully to the paint, dunk on you type of thing. It'd be more, okay, I got to get uh-huh. to my spot, rise up over him, beat him to a spot, maybe counter move, this type of stuff like that. So I think his game will be a little different. And that's what we don't see in LeBron game, in LeBron's game. And it's probably because he doesn't have to do it because his step is quicker than others, all right? He covers a lot more ground with the steps that he, that he does take. And like I said, let's just be honest, I mean, he gets to bully his way around whenever he th- has a chance to throw that 260 around. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the skill involved. It's like saying Shaq, okay, Um you know, would he still be the same if he was 7'1", 300-plus pounds? Hell no. He would not be the most dominant. If he was 6'10", 280, I don't think we're talking about the same Shaquille O'Neal. But, um, Rich, how, how do you feel about that, man? It's funny you bring up this question because it's not the first time I've had this conversation. Oh, good. Okay. I, I, do, I, I do agree that he definitely wouldn't be the same player. 
But, I mean, when you talk about his other intangibles, the passing ability would still be there. The IQ would still be there. Of course. But, yeah, I mean, he, 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 uh, his, his size and athleticism allows him to get away with a lot of things. I don't, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to, to the I Am Athlete uh, podcast over on YouTube. When they had Dwayne Wade on there, they had asked him, you know, what, what is it that makes him so great? And he just pointed up, pointed up to the sky. Like with that, with that man up there, with that man up there, gave him, you know, because we we've, we've seen LeBron, you know, have injuries and just kind of walk it off yeah. and get right back on. Yeah. With other guys that have these same injuries and they're out like two plus weeks. Yeah. No, that's a good. I mean, look, you're talking about a guy that spends millions of dollars on his body and his health uh, in the off season, in the off. I'm sorry, during the season and in the off season, just to make sure that he's healthy. And look, it's paid off because it's not many times you see LeBron hobbled. Okay. And even if he is hobbled, it doesn't really show on the court as much as if it would other guys to your point, Rich. But I mean, um, like I said, I, I don't think he'd be the same exact player. I, and it, again, it doesn't take away from what he brings to the game. I definitely do feel he'd be, uh, one of the better players in the NBA. It's just that there's so much, uh, that dominant guy in the NBA, it's really just him when you think about it. So if he didn't have that size, you have KD one year. They're talking about him as the best player of the year. Then you're talking about Kawhi one year uh, as the best player in the NBA. Then it's it's then it's Giannis. Before it was Steph. It's just so many. So if and all these guys, you know, they're not you know superhuman uh, other than like you know Giannis, like guys like Stretch Armstrong, whatever. And he, you can say he bullies his way. But even even Giannis has shown you know he can handle the rock. He's kind of skilled or whatever. Uh, I have a, a buddy of mine, Devin, who's been on the show previously. He worded it or phrased it perfectly. He said Giannis is to the paint as what Steph is to the three-point line. And that is so true. It's like they're pretty much unstoppable. You get Giannis five feet in, I mean, call it call it night, call it goodbye. So I, I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on that and see, um, you know, where that, you know, where, where you guys were on that. Uh, can you tell me a storyline that you're looking out most for, uh, whether it be Eastern Conference or Western Conference uh, playoffs, uh, Kason? Uh, I guess the obvious one is the Nets. Can the Nets get it together with what they've been through all season? They, like you mm-hmm. said, the big three is all in place. Together. The defense has obviously gotten better, but I don't know how much people believe in that mm-hmm. defense. And they don't have a regular season to get it together no more, so they have to get it together on the fly. If they do not win the championship this year, nobody's giving them no excuses. Nobody's no. saying, well, they haven't played together all year. James Harden is coming back from an injury. No, you guys want to put this team together. Yeah. You guys want to go for it. You guys want to, you know, be in people's faces. This is what y'all ask for. The playoffs start now. Y'all do not. You're getting the Boston Celtics. They're a team that's been together for a while. They have Jason Tatum, so you have to play defense on. Kemba Walker, you have to play defense. Those guys can go off. You've seen what uh, Jason Tatum was able to do to the Wizards. Yeah. The Nets will – and then in the second round, they'll get Miami or Milwaukee. And then after that, they'll end up against Philly maybe. So they don't have no easy walk in the park. So it's – you guys have to put it together on the fly now. Yeah, Big 3 has to figure it out. I think that's the most intriguing storyline because a lot of people expected them to win the championship after yeah. they got harder. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm include me on that list. What about you, Rich? What do you see? What's something that's sticking out to you that is kind of like, you know – tickling the back of your brain and you wanted to look forward to in the postseason? I, I got to go with the Clippers and, and what they're, what they're going to do. I mean, yeah. it's kind of similar, a little, not, not the same, but eerily similar to what Kason was talking about with the Nets and putting that team together. 
Kawhi's coming out with these New Balance commercials a year ago, you know, basically poking at LeBron James and you know him teaming up with Paul George. We still got the narrative of Paul George not yeah, playing man. his best basketball in the postseason. And then also you bring in Rajon Rondo in there during the trade deadline. We'll move on to Lou Williams. So you got a guy in there that's consistently got it done in the postseason, and he's supposed to be this piece that is going to allow, yep. will unlock Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to play the game yep. that they want to play, and he can go out there and be and be the leader. You also got you also got a championship coach in Ty Lue, mm-hmm. and and then also on top of that, we we've, we've seen the the conversation sort of how they tanked the end of the season to avoid the the Lakers. So yeah. that's definitely <laughs> something that I that I that I want to see where where they go from here. I am interested to see a couple things. I mean, there's obviously more than one storyline. I already talked about, you know, a matchup that we all talked about, matchups that we're interested in. But I'm just kind of wondering, um, Denver, okay, nobody's talking about them, and mainly because Murray's out for the year. Uh, there looks, well, not it looks like, they're slated to play the Trailblazers. And, you know, Dame has been cooking all year long, especially lately. They won 42 games. Uh, I saw something about a, a fan was, you know, talking to a dame saying, you, you guys got to win a certain amount of games up, you know, like 42 games, and he did that. Um, is is Denver a team that should still be worried? I'm sorry, that should still worry people, especially if you're Portland facing them in the first round? Or is that a team that you just know that, you know, because it's not like if they still don't have an MVP candidate in, uh, in Nikola Jokic, so I'm just kind of, to me, their odds fell off significantly, but I don't know. I, I think if maybe they were playing somebody else, maybe, you know, not Portland. I got Portland in that series, but do you guys still take Denver seriously? I, I mean, I, I think you should still take them seriously because of the caliber team they are even without Jamal Murray, but I, I also got Portland in that one. The last time those teams matched up, and this was something that Kason had uh, had brought to my attention, they were kind of running Nikola Jokic off the floor. Yeah. And I, for for Denver to really be taken seriously in this series, you're going to want to see something from Michael Porter Jr. Yep, good point. Oh, that's a hell of a point. That d- dude came out of Missouri with a lot of hype. He's, you know, finally starting to get his feet underneath him uh, in terms of, you know, the playing time and all the potential that was talked about him coming into the league. So I get that. Um, there's something else that I'm looking at. So say Phoenix does end up playing the Lakers, right? Okay, that happens. Is it really a disappointment if the Lakers lose that series? I mean, you're losing to the second-best team in the conference, right? Is that considered a disappointment? Uh, will the injuries kind of be their their reason as to why things didn't transpire the way they wanted to? I, I, that is something that I'm looking to see what the storylines are after that series if Phoenix does, in fact, win. How do you feel about that, Kay? Uh, that is an interesting point because I think if the Lakers end up I think a lot of people are going to pick the Lakers in that series because uh-huh. I think I'm unfortunately because I want the Phoenix Suns to make a run, but I think unfortunately I would have to go with the Lakers. But I think they may slightly get a pass because AD and Braun may not be 100% healthy. So I think if they win, nobody will be surprised. But if they lose, they slightly might get a pass saying, okay, Braun said he wouldn't be 100% healthy. Uh-huh. AD, we don't know where we're going to uh-huh. get from him. So those two things, it's like they may slightly get a pass. But I wouldn't be surprised if they win. So I guess that's kind of like it's a win-win for them in the situation. Right. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with that situation. Okay. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> I get that. It's just kind of like 
a built-in excuse already if they don't. But at the same time, it's like you guys have two of the best, you could call them, I don't know, top five, six players in the league right now when it comes to AD and LeBron. I get they're not 100%. I want to see them do well because I honestly want to see LA Brooklyn. I want to see an LA-LA Western Conference Finals. I really want to see that. But um, I, I want to see LA Brooklyn because that's how many All-Stars are, <laughs> are starting between the 10 guys on that floor already. And um, honestly... I don't know if I want the Clippers to go all the way because I love the way they're constructed, you know, going into the season. And I think I brought this up to Case on the last time he was on the air, Rich. It was just hilarious to me how back in the Lob City days, all they needed was a guy like Paul George or a guy to play, you know, that athletic wing that they didn't have because they had everything else. They had the point guard. They had all of that. All right. All of a sudden, last year, they're missing everything but the point guard, and they finally get Rondo this year. So that happens. I really would love to see them go all the way. I just I want to see, you know, the Lakers and Brooklyn so bad. I kind of hate to see the Clippers out of it. And I really would hate to see the Clippers go down and, you know, more storylines about Paul George. I, I, I think the storylines would kind of go away if about the Clippers in total if Paul George plays well, all right? Um I don't know. I don't know. Because I think last year was an aberration for him. I don't think that's the real Paul George. I know he has all these nicknames in the playoffs or whatever, but I don't think that's him. How do you feel about that, Rich? Um, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that what they should have done during free agency is just sign Rajon Rondo, and then you wouldn't have had to get yep. Lou Williams yep. to, to get him. And then you'd probably be having a little bit of a different conversation. Uh, I, I agree. I, I would like to see Brooklyn and 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 at least one of the LA teams go 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 uh, for, for that championship in the in the NBA Finals. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's, I, I think it's going to come down to Paul George. I agree. I don't, I don't expect any anything, anything less from Kawhi Leonard. You know how cerebral Rajon Rondo could be in the playoffs, especially when you're giving him time to to press for, for a team week in and week out. That that's one of the things that makes him so great in the postseason. So he's got a second coach. It's 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 a hundred percent going to come down come down to Paul George and what he's going to be able to do and can he capitalize on this moment? I mean he he said it when he was there, when he was interviewed about it. He said I'm I'm coming to people's heads. So yeah, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's time to show out and, and do. Um, even though the seedings aren't set yet, I'm going to do it to you anyway. I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me an Eastern Conference Final and a Western Conference Final matchup, Rich. Philadelphia, Brooklyn in the East. LA versus LA in the West. Oof. Okay. Um, Kason. Same thing. Uh, I guess. Ooh, <laughs> I, I would have to. I would have to agree in the East where it's going to be uh, uh, Brooklyn, Philly. But I can see Brooklyn has a tougher matchup in the second round, whether it's Miami or the Milwaukee. Exactly. So That's I my did, thing. If I had to pick an upset, it might be Brooklyn. They haven't played enough games together, but just right now. As the facts are, I'm going with Brooklyn, Philly, and in the West, hmm, I, you know what, I'm gonna go Phoenix and oh, LA, like the Clippers. The I'm Cl- going Phoenix and the Clippers. I don't think both LA teams are gonna get there. That so makes sense. That makes sense. But let me ask you this, okay? Because you brought up Milwaukee, and I mean, everybody has their eyes on Brooklyn for obvious reasons in Philly because you know Embiid playing so well. But what? Which team poses a bigger threat to Brooklyn, though, do you think? Philly or Milwaukee? Oh, uh, all right. I think they both 
have a big threat because Giannis being a kind of a big man, right? And Brooklyn doesn't have a big man really to guard them. And same thing with Embiid. I think if if Brooklyn had it their way, they might rather Philly. And only okay. because Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is a wild card. Mm-hmm. I figure they can they can draw a game plan to slow down Ben Simmons a little bit right. and kind of let it be, be him and kind of kill in the post and then stay home on all the rest of the shooters. So you sag off of, uh, Ben Simmons, bring that help towards Embiid, and stay home on all shooters. I think they can kind of draw out that plan, and if Ben Simmons is not hitting his jump shot or he can't get off, it's a little bit easier series. Now, I guess Milwaukee, uh, you can think about the same, but uh-huh. uh, Chris Middleton – Chris Middleton can create off the dribble, yep. and so can Drew Holiday. So those guys can pose a bigger threat, and they're going to force Kyrie Irving and James Harden to have to guard somebody. In the Philly series, they can stay home on shooters. So they don't really have to guard nobody. And you could put a kind of a – you can put Jeff Green on Ben Simmons. Yep. So, you know, Kyrie yep. and James Harden don't have to guard anybody. Jeff Green can sag off and send help. In that Milwaukee series, they have to guard Drew Holiday, and Drew Holiday is going to play great defense on Kyrie. And then they have to guard Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton may be able to match points-wise what James Harden gives you. And then they still have to worry about stopping Giannis. So I think mm-hmm. if they had it their way, even though Philly's the higher seed, Philly might pose less of a challenge for them. I mean, look, I've been saying Philly, Brooklyn all year long, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking about it, and I'm looking, and I'm, I like Milwaukee a lot, man. They mean, I mean, look, you, if, if Bobby po- – look, I'm a Bulls fan. You guys know this. Okay, on knows. I know about Rich. But if Bobby Portis has his head on right, that, could, that he could be an X factor because he's just another guy like Brooke Lopez who's just learned how to hit the three. I don't know where the hell that came from, okay? Um, you got Chris Middleton. You got Drew Holiday. I mean, you guys know the roster. But if those – remember when Orlando went to the finals several years ago and it was basically yeah. – the game plan around them was let Dwight go off. Let him get his 30 and 15. Stay at home everywhere else. Even if there were shooters, which there were. I mean, you had Jameer Nelson, they had J.J. Redick, and that's pretty much it because, I mean, you didn't. the other guys on the team did not have you know, opposing coaching staff losing any sleep the night before the game. And so you really can't do that with Milwaukee. And to my opinion, I, I, I'm kind of scared about their depth more than I am Philly's depth. So I think they will pose more of a bigger threat to uh, Brooklyn than, than than Philly would for a lot of the reasons you just said. But, Rich, how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, with, with the matchup, I, if it's going to be Milwaukee-Philadelphia, to my knowledge, Philadelphia has never been scared of Milwaukee. They've kind of always wanted that matchup in the playoffs, and they've, they've shown it every time they played them in the, in the postseason. Uh-huh. The depth is definitely there, but I, it's also going to come down to what the coaches do. I know. Some people were kind of down on Doc Rivers after last season. Yeah. I still think extremely highly of Doc Rivers. And I, I have some questions about Mike Budenholzer still because what we've seen from this Milwaukee team is no different from what we've seen when you know, he had that 60-win Atlanta Hawks. Yep. That is so true. I'm glad you, man. I'm glad because I, I'm gonna be honest with you. With that, you know, that whole season, what was it, 2017, when Atlanta came out of nowhere, winning, I don't know how many games, 60 games, whatever it was, you just knew it wasn't gonna last. I think they lost to the to the what was it the Cavs in like the second round or whatever it was, and it was a sweep yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And you know, you just knew that wasn't gonna last. But last year, it just seems like there were no adjustments made. And I'm, if I'm sitting here looking at it from my couch. I'm just kind of thinking, okay, when are you going to, like, 
what's where are the adjustments to the zone? You know, it just feels like I mean, you see the zone all through our college, and I know Giannis didn't play college ball here, but come on now, we all should know how to beat a, a, a two-three zone. All right, you get that man in the middle, you get a baseline runner, and that dude in the middle has to be a good deci- a, a good decision maker. Whether you turn around, take a shot, or uh, take a quick pa- make a quick pass, but we I never saw that. All right, and that's just the most fundamental way to break down a two-three zone, and you didn't see that from him. It's kind of I don't know, it was kind of weird, but that um. I was just I was just wondering about that because it's something that came across my mind because like I said I had Philly and Brooklyn all the way I, I love Brooklyn I'm sorry I love Philly's uh, the way they play ball and I'm a huge fan of Dark Rivers I think he gets his guys up to play a lot but I mean I'm just I'm just kind of reminding myself looking at this roster that that Milwaukee has and look it's a game of matchups all right and 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 uh, Eric Spolstra coined the phrase uh, positionless basketball years ago, and the Heat have kind of become like the masters of that. And, you know, that's a kind of a, that's kind of the team you can't leave out. I guess all this Milwaukee talk will be for naught if Miami kind of just does what they did last year, but we'll see. Um, what about anything else that's kind of on your minds, guys? Is there anything else that's kind of burning on you that you just want to get, up, kind of want to get off your chest for the playoffs or for the playing games tonight, Kaysar? Uh not sure. Uh, let's go back to that Milwaukee thing in Milwaukee, Miami. I think this year will be a lot, a lot different from Milwaukee, just the fact that they have two holiday. I think last year they didn't really have no one to guard uh, Jimmy Butler, and they didn't have another player to kind of create off the dribble. So I think having Drew Holiday can make a difference. He can create off the dribble for you offensively and then defensively. I believe they're trying to put him on Jimmy Butler. Obviously, he's smaller, so Jimmy Butler right. still may be able to get to his spots, but I think from everything we've seen from Drew Holiday in the playoffs, we've seen him try to guard KD, we've seen him in that Portland series guard game and them. I think he'll make it tough for him. And I think that's something that Milwaukee just didn't have last year. So I think that – and he'll make it easier for Giannis down the stretch. If Giannis yeah. is being guarded or if it's a zone, you put the ball in Drew Holiday's hand, whether it's a 1-3 pick and roll with him and Chris Middleton, and you leave Giannis as a distraction. Uh-huh and do that, I think, like kind of like Richard was just saying, it's going to come down to coaching. This right here, I think Hell Mike yeah. cannot, especially if he cannot get out this first round. If he can't beat the Heat, then I think no, it's, he's definitely, no, he's definitely over yeah. for him. Yeah, no, I, I agree but with I think that. This is going to show how good of a coach he is because I think this year he definitely has the pieces where it's not just, okay, Giannis and a whole bunch of shooters. I think Drew Holiday helps him offensively, defensively, and then you can mix it up and use Giannis as a distraction and have Chris Middleton and uh, Drew Holiday kind of bring you home. And that's what you bought those guys did for. That's what you paid them the big bucks. 100%. This series, I, know y- I know Rich said that it's this series is going to be if Giannis made, made that jump. But this, this series, to me, also could be if that team made the jump to help Giannis out. Because, obviously, we know what he can't do. But think about that old Philly team with AI. We knew mm-hmm. what AI could do, and you surrounded him with the right pieces that's going to help him get there. So we know what Giannis is. Did this team surround Giannis with the right spe- right pieces to help him get to where he needs to get to? When when this series was over five games last year, last playoffs, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, Giannis didn't play. It was either game four and five or just game five. I can't remember which uh, it one it was. It might have just been game five, but uh, we'd have to double check that. Okay. All right. But I think he got hurt in game four, so he didn't finish it. Yeah. I there think, you yeah, go. I do think That's what it was. And as soon as he went out, I noticed something, and I, I'm not breaking any news here, but Chris Middleton went off, obviously because he had to. And it just made me think, why isn't the ball, you know, the offense run through him more than it is, at least in a play, maybe not the regular season, okay, but in playoffs, it's about matchups. You know what the other team's running. They know what you're running. 
let the ball run through him. Let the offense run through him first. And uh, I'm not saying let Giannis run off picks or things like that. That's obviously not his game. But, I mean, if you could, I don't know, be a coach, do something. I just saw that, and I, I, I get it. Chris Middleton had to at that point because there's really nobody else. But I'm, he was balling, though. He was looking really good being the primary option, the primary ball handler. So I'm just kind of thinking, what was this all series long? Because they had something going there. And even though they lost those uh, those games in five, it was one of those series that it didn't feel – it was like a tough five. I think there was a couple games that Miami won convincingly. But for the games that Milwaukee was in it, you know, it was – I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking that we should see a little bit more of Chris Middleton, even with Giannis being out there 100%. But, um, I mean, what do you got to say about what what Kaysan was saying, Rich? Well, I I definitely agree with what he was saying. I I mean, to your point, too, I think that just kind of goes back to what we were talking about with with Mike Budenholzer as a coach. And I'm not saying Mike Budenholzer is a bad coach. He's shown us that he's a very good coach. But you you got to find ways to diversify your lineups a little bit. That's that's just not something I, I've seen. Kind of, kind of just you know, make making those throw throw teams off their game, switch switch things up a little bit. And I that, I kind of said the same thing at the time when when Chris Middleton had done that because I don't think he even gets his his respect as as a number two option. He he does it, man. When you think about guys that need to step up, and, and it's not like if he's a ghost. I mean, he's a really good player. He one of those guys that lets the office come to him. Doesn't. Forced to action a lot like a Tobias Harris, who I'm a huge fan of, is that Chris Middleton, I guess, I don't know what the situation is with him, but, you know, Kaysan said it, it's it's a Giannis thing, yeah, but it's also a team thing along with the Coach Budenholder, Coach Budenholzer, or how the hell you pronounce his last name, thing. And, um, I mean, we'll see, man. It's a lot to get excited with. Um, we got the play-in game tonight, uh, L.A. going up against uh, Golden State. LeBron is talking up Curry. It's just so funny. And <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to expect tonight, but I do expect these two teams to fill out the last uh, two spots in the Western Conference uh, playoffs, and we'll see. But other than that, fellas, I-, I think we should do this every Wednesday until the regular season. I'm sorry, until the, until the NBA season is over. So if you guys want to set a date for next week, I'd love to have you back on. Most definitely. I'm with it. All right, we'll do that. So um, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. We're talking some NHL hockey with Frank Fort in the next um, in the next segment. But, fellas, I really appreciate you coming on. This is Rich Perez-Negron and Kaysan Davis from The Rundown. Please follow them both on Twitter. And um, you guys want to just go ahead and give that Twitter handle and uh, give a little plug for your show? Uh, well, for me, you can follow me at richreport94. And then our rundown page is actually at rundown show underscore there you go hey, hey, yeah me hey, you can K- find me at k uh k well yeah k davis 75 underscore on everything all right and that's pretty much it fellas i pre- really appreciate time uh again won't be the last time and uh we'll talk next week i appreciate you bro Most definitely. all right fellas uh, thank you for listening to michael mccoy we'll be right back after this break and just keep it locked A radio. Radio. This is SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. 
I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed a drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're gonna knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. You can't roll it to this one. You gotta, you gotta, roll. you gotta light it. You gotta puff it on this one. You can't even drink Cristal on this one. You gotta drink Cristal. Ooh. 
Thank you everyone for sticking around with us throughout that last break. Huge shout out to Kaysan Davis and Rich Perez Negron for joining us for the past two segments. Talking some NBA playoffs, play in games, and um, overall hoops. But we're going to switch gears right now. And for the very first time on the Michael McCoy show, uh, we're going to talk some puck, some NHL playoff hockey. And who else better than to do that with then? Frank Fort, and if you guys are not aware of with, I'm sorry, aware of who that is, shame on you. You should because he's a uh, host and producer over at FAU Football, and they have a show going on there in which he does a really, really good job with. But before that, you know, obviously with WPLG for several years, and uh, he did call some epic games for the University of Miami football program back in the late '90s, Butch Davis era. So, Frank, how are you? Long time no see, no here actually. Yeah, Michael, uh, thanks for reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, after my time at Channel 10, I went to work at Fox Sports Florida, now Bally Sports Florida, where I did Marlins and, of course, Panthers. So I, I'm still a, I'm still a big Panther fan, just uh, watching from a little bit more of a distance now rather than, than being on the inside, uh, but uh, still follow them very, very closely. Okay. Well, let me give you a pat on the back for that because I'm going to sit here and admit to you that my hockey interest fell off Big time, and shame on me. But after that 0405 NHL lockout, it just it, it hurt as a fan, and I haven't been the same. And if I was to go to a hockey game right now, there are maybe four or five players that I could point out on the ice, and that's only because I know you know the bigger names of that. I mean, right. I, I still keep in touch with what they do, but I just don't watch many games that much. It's just it hurt. I was a big time hockey fan, and you know. The, the last time I was watching the Panthers that I played attention to them, Essa Tekin was on the, was on the team pretty much. Oh, so, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's going back about 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's been a while. So um, the Panthers are down right now to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's a huge series going on, especially in the state of Florida. Panthers are down, Panthers are down 0-2. There was a big, uh, you know, there were some, some, some fans that were not appreciative of the way that game one was officiated, and I wanted to get your comments on that because it seems like there were some, some instances there, especially those, 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 those calls that were not called for, for Tampa Bay that a lot of people felt should have been maybe five-minute majors. Do you think that had a huge impact on the game, or maybe it was the reason that the Panthers lost that game? Uh, no, it's not the reason they lost. It's, it's, you can point to, now I'll, I'll start off by saying this. Bennett absolutely deserved the one-game suspension. He made a poor decision, especially yeah. given the time and score in the game. You, you just can't make a run at a guy yeah. in that situation, especially knowing Tampa had already scored two power play goals. And that, that special teams are really magnified in the yep. playoffs because yep. it's so hard to score five on five. Now, you could say the McDonough hit on Duclair was just about as egregious. Stamkos made a hit that was very questionable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the no-goal call. I mean, that one could go either way. I can see both sides of it. I would have rather they said on the ice, the goal's good, and then let Toronto, the war room in Toronto, figure out whether it was a legal or illegal play. Okay, I would have rather seen that. So, I mean, did it play a factor in the game? Yeah, but I, it's not the main reason they lost. The main reason they lost was they, they took some penalties, they gave up three power play goals, a shorthanded goal, and a breakaway with a minute 15 left. That's yeah. the big reason yeah. that they lost. I agree with that. I agree. I mean, 
hockey is such a funny game. It's one of those things where, I mean, basketball is a game of runs. Football isn't a game of runs. I mean, you kind of don't see that in hockey. But the run mm-hmm. right now that the Lightning are having, they're up 2-0. Before that, they lost three games in a row. The Panthers had won six in a row. So in sports, a lot of times the best team doesn't always win. Sometimes that'll go to the streakier team or the hotter team. But I'm going to ask yeah, you. But, go ahead, go ahead. But what you have to remember is this Tampa team is not the same team it was in the regular season. Mm. Let, let, let's put it in, in, you were just talking basketball. Let's put it in Miami Heat terms. Take two of three of Bam, Goran, and uh, Jimmy Butler. Okay. And say two of those guys, are, one of them's going to miss the entire regular season. The other one's going to miss somewhat significant stretches of the regular season. Yeah. But they're both coming back for game one of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's what you have in Tampa, getting Stamkos, who missed some time in the regular season, and Kucherov, who missed the entire regular season. These are two stars. Yep. So it's yeah. it's not the same team that you saw in the regular season. And even though the Panthers did a great job against Tampa this year and they dented Vasilevsky, who is probably the best goalie on the planet, mm-hmm. it's still – and, you know, Joel Quenville said it before game one. They know what it takes to win in Tampa. We're trying to get that education. Yeah. Well, the lessons in the first two games have been hard. Ugh. They've been hard, and they've been at home. That's the tougher part because, I mean, you, you go to Tampa now and, you know, it's, it's an away game. You're still in Florida. Hopefully, the, you know, there's a nice following of Florida Panthers fans over there. But that's going to be tomorrow, 630. Um, what do the Panthers have to do to win that game? I mean, just create, keep creating opportunities. Uh, they didn't have a lot of opportunities last night. No. Now, game one and game two were so different in the way they were played. Yep. Game one was wide open. It was a lot of skating, a lot of shooting, you know, not a ton of, of, of great defense by either team. I think there was like Last four night, lead changes. Well, right, only the fourth a playoff game in NHL history that had four lead changes. Unbelievable. Now, last night was a much tighter game. You know, the Panthers did not play a good first period. They clamped down on the scoring chances after that. Tampa, once they got to the lead, they, they got in a lot of passing lanes, a lot of shooting lanes. It was tough for the Panthers to generate anything offensively. If you believe in metrics, the Panthers had the edge in scoring chances yeah. and, and a 13-5 and a to five edge in what's called high-danger scoring chances. Uh, so, But they just couldn't find a way around Vasilevsky except for once. And, I mean, like I said, he's probably – you could – you could certainly make the case, and I think most people think he is the best goalie on the right. planet. And the Panthers really made him look very mundane uh-huh. uh, in Game in one. several games this season. But, you know, now he's got Victor Hedman back in front of him. Ryan McDonough, who's, who's a great shutdown defenseman and, and was fantastic last night for Tampa. It's just a different Tampa team than we saw in the regular season. You know what they say, it, it, you know, to, to beat the champ – Yep. You can't wait for the judges. You got to knock him out. And Tampa's Tampa's a defending champion, and they are now. They're a very deep team. They do everything well. They don't have an obvious weakness. And everybody knew going into these playoffs, whether it was Tampa, Carolina, Florida, Carolina, mm-hmm. or Florida, Tampa Bay, because there was three really, really the Central Division where the Panthers play had three of the best six teams in the league right. this year. Right. You know, a good team was going home. 
And I understand the Panther fans' disappointment because they've had so little to root for over the years in terms of success that despite the big steps taken in this regular season, a lot of them are really disappointed, and I understand that. Just because I think that gets magnified by the lack of success. Let me let me draw a parallel for you. Okay. You know, the Dolphins have made the playoffs, I think it's eight or nine times in the last 28 years. Wow. This is the Panthers' seventh in 27 years. Well, let's just say... You know, the Dolphins win 11 games next season, but they lose in the first round of the playoffs to the Chiefs, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, so that's that's where the disappointment comes in. You know, hey, you have a great season, but you lose in the first round, Uh but to a great team. I mean, that's where this thing is headed, unless the Panthers can completely turn it around. They got to get at least one. I mean, the hope is you don't go down three nothing. We all know, you know, what happens in that case, and history is not on many people's side when you're down three zero or anybody's side when you're down three zero. But if I mean, this is obviously a must win. That goes without saying. But if they could get this one, then obviously, you know, you have some hope. To, that means the series is at least going to come back to Sunrise, Florida. Right. Well, the math is much better, and I would say this in hockey: home ice advantage doesn't mean as much as it does, let's say, in basketball. There have been several cases, um, you know, more than a couple of teams coming back from 0-3 down Mm -hmm. in hockey. And I think it's only happened once in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. But so, you know, there are teams that have lost both games on home ice and then come back and won both games away. Right. You know, so... But but again, it's it's a big hill to climb against a team that is this good. Tampa's been there; they've done that. Mm-hmm. Now they've got their. They look like a team that has their mojo back. Not that they had a bad regular season. I mean, you know, they were a point behind the Panthers in the regular season, and I think overall Tampa lost twenty out of the fifty-six if you factor in the overtime and shootout losses. Right. And of those twenty, the Panthers beat them five times. Oh, so a God. quarter of all their losses came against Florida. But as I said, this is a different team now. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I'm not going to say they flipped a switch. They got great two great players back. But when the playoffs start, th- those teams that have been there before, they know yeah, how to turn it up a notch, 100%. you know. And, you know, the Panthers simply don't have that, that experience. And I think also, Mike, for the first time, you know, once Aaron Ekblad, who was the Panthers' number one defenseman, unquestioned, you know, had the most ice time of any any anybody on the team during the season at, uh, on you know, on an average per game basis, okay. he broke his leg several weeks ago, and everybody thought, mm-hmm. you know, if you listen to the the national pundits or NHL radio or NHL Network, they said, well, you know, the Panthers have had a nice season, but now without Ekblad, oh. you know, they're going to trail off, and right. it didn't happen in the regular season, but I, they they managed to survive very well without him. But I think for the first time in this series. We're seeing the Panthers missing Aaron Eckler. I mean, that's that's your last line of defense, and you know, a lot of people. When it comes up, when it comes to hockey, obviously, you you know, the the regardless of the type of goalie you have, okay, you need that in front of them. You need that in front of them, and you need in any sport defense, a presence that, especially if it's a guy that's led the team in minutes all year. I mean, that's a huge. You don't you don't get better that way. I know everybody else has to step up and next man mentality, but. That's a big piece that you missing, and I mean they're just gonna have to find a way to to to, to rally the to rally the bunch. But um, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show right now on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. Glad to be on air with Frank Fort, and uh, obviously we're talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Florida Panthers. I want to 
kind of go outside of the Eastern Conference Finals or this series, and I wanted to talk to you about two teams that I just don't get how one of them is doing it. Uh, maybe you can help me out with that because it, it, everybody knows that the Panthers in the inaugural season, it was the best season for a first-year team ever up until Vegas comes into the league and all they do is make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So it's like, right. wow, like, okay, where did that come from? But a team so young, okay, how is that team 40-14, and 14, okay, and having, uh, you know, going into the playoffs, 7-3 and three in their last 10, tied with the Avalanche for 82 points in the season. How are they doing it? And it's, what, they're like third, fourth year of existence? Yeah. Well, the, the thing I would say about Vegas is this. They, they have a wonderful organization. A, the, the rules that for their expansion draft were probably the most liberal. I'm not even probably. They were the most <laughs> liberal uh, of any expansion in the in nhl history you know teams were depending on on they gave teams two formats you could protect eight skaters and one goalie Mm -hmm. or you could protect seven forwards three defensemen and one goalie okay now uh guys with no movement clauses in their contracts were exempted and first or second year pros were exempted but that still meant that vegas was able to get a goaltender like mark andre Fleury, multiple stanley cup winner with the pittsburgh penguins still an elite number one goalie, right? They were able to get him. Several general managers around the league panicked and gave Vegas extra assets just to take a certain player in the expansion draft. Wow. Now, the Panthers were one of that team. We don't know, you know, Panther fans would pull their hair out if we go back and talk about that scenario. <laughs> but they lost two good players instead of losing one. Uh, because they wanted to protect certain other people, okay. and, and that didn't work out. But it's a, it, but several general managers around the league, there were about three, four, or five of them that did the same thing. Wow. So Vegas actually picked up extra assets, okay. uh, in, in a lot of cases getting not only just the one player, but another player and or a draft pick. Uh-huh. So they were able to build very quickly. I mean, the team they put together that first year you know, had a lot of good hockey players on it. Um, they were well coached by Gerard Gallant, who's no longer the coach there. It's funny, the two coaches that, that, you know, Vegas has, uh, Gallant and now Pete DeBoer, both ex-Panther coaches. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's kicking the... But, uh, you know, it was set up for them to have success. Okay. Now, did did people still think they were going to go to the finals the first year? No. Everything kind of came together magically, and they've been able to build off that and mm-hmm. continue to build. They have a very, very deep roster. Um, so, I mean, they, they just they got some breaks, and they've done pretty much everything right. Okay. Well, I mean, that obviously explains, but I'm just thinking, like, how, it's, uh, one thing is having it happen, but then sustaining it, because, like, in sports, kind of like the example that I like to use with the Dolphins, like, that whole Ronnie Brown year, and they had the Wildcat, it was magical, they win a division, all of that, and then you don't hear any more about the Wildcat, because it's, you know, teams figure it out, that's what I kind of thought was going to happen with, you know, uh, the with Vegas, you can kind of regress to the right. main, and, but that didn't happen, it seems like they got better, I mean, Look at them. They're tied for having the best, uh, the, the most points in the uh, in the league. And then the other team I wanted to talk about is that team that did beat the Panthers in the 96 Cup Finals, the Avalanche. Is that the best team in hockey? Whew, that's, a, that's a really good question. I think most people would say that either Vegas or Colorado are the best team in hockey. Uh, I think Vegas has the edge and goal. Um, 
but Colorado is a really deep team as well. You know, they, they, their first line of Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen is unbelievably good. I mean, it's probably the best first line in the league. Wow. You, you could make an argument with Boston's first line and, and maybe one or two others, but uh, they, they are an absolute juggernaut. Um, that, that line, their, their defense core, they drafted two guys in, in recent years that are just unbelievable. Kale McCarr, uh, who, you know, when Colorado had a, a high pick, and I don't remember if, if they had gotten a pick from somebody in a trade or it was their own pick, uh, but for, they were drafting in the top 10 that year, and they got Kale McCarr, who is, uh, I think he's now 20 years old, and he is just an absolute stud on defense. He's not the biggest guy, but his skill is off the charts, and they've got a really deep defense group. So um, they are a really, really hard team to play against. Okay, okay. I mean, I had to ask because, like I said, I haven't watched much hockey in you know several years, and you know I pay attention to the big games as I can, and you don't see many flaws <laughs> when you watch the Avalanche play. I mean, they skate oh, no. fast, they're, they're crisp in passing, and I mean, it's just it, they're fun to watch. Oh, they're 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 an incredible team to watch. Yeah, they they are a lot of fun. Like I said, their their high end guys are as good as any in the league. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, I was kind of talking about, kind, not kind of, I was talking about this in the first segment. I was reading this article on Yardbreaker.com, and it, they were talking about the best nicknames in sports. And I wanted to ask you, in terms of hockey, you've been following hockey for a really, really long time. And so can you give me maybe two or three nicknames that kind of stand out to you as that one was really good, that one was clever? I'll go first because – and obviously, I'm being a homer, but I love Beezer. It just it fit him. You see Van Beesberg yeah. play, you look him. It just kind of went with him, and then the name uh, they kind of matched. But the one that I think was super cool was uh, Dominic Hasek and the Dominator. I thought, I mean, that probably is the best goal that I've ever seen play. He did acrobatic things, and was just when he was on his game, you couldn't get anything past him. But can you think of some hockey nicknames that kind of uh, are the best ones you could think of? Yeah, well, hockey's not very complicated. It's either like you add an ER or an IE. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, Van Beesbrook was Beezer. Right. You know, or Alexander Barkov is Barky. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan Huberdo <laughs> is Hooby, right? But the Panthers had a player a couple of years ago named Sean Mathias. Mm -hmm. and, and his nickname, and this went completely uh, off the reservation, so to speak, as far as hockey nicknames go, and I'm not sure why they called him this, but they called him Danger or Dange. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that okay. was a, that was a nickname that was completely off the the, the template yeah. for most hockey nicknames, you know. Wow. Uh, but but uh, Matthias, nobody called him Sean. Everybody called him Danger. Danger. <laughs> that is a good one. I would like to see how the story behind that was. I had uh, Chris Relika on a few weeks ago, and he was telling, asked him, you know, how did you get the nickname Bear? And to make a long story short, he and Kirk Herbstreit, well, they were downstairs eating at whatever hotel they were in, having some breakfast, and the rule between those two is that there is no empty spots on a table. Everywhere has to have a plate on there. So here comes Lee Corso out from his morning jog. He comes up to the table. Hey, guys, good morning. How you doing? Looks at, the, looks at uh, Chris Felica, looks at the table, looks at uh, Kirk, looks at the table again, and then looks at Chris. Says, Chris, you know what? You're just a huge, big old bear. All you do is 
eat, sleep, and you know the rest. And so yeah. I, I would like to hear the story behind that. But Frank, um, it's been a long time. I believe the last time you called into the show was when I was still doing Hurricane Warning on campus and we were talking some football. But I really appreciated you imparting uh, wisdom in terms of you know the Stanley Cup playoffs and what to look forward to in terms of uh, the Panthers in this series. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're going to have to have a big turnaround. And, you know, uh, we've seen some of the inexperience. Uh, you know, Mackenzie Weger had a great regular season. He was yeah. paired with Ekblad until Ekblad got hurt. Okay. And now, you know, Weger's their, their quote-unquote number one defenseman. Right. And he had a fantastic regular season, but he has not had a very good first two games. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the, the other defensemen who've had to step in there, Gus Forsling and, and Nudavara, you know, this is their, their first real playoff experience, mm-hmm. and I think it showed up at times. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to be better defensively, and they're going to have to find a way to, to keep, uh, you know, Pepper and Vasilevsky with pucks in the law of averages, three or four go in, hopefully. Oh, boy. Oh boy. We'll find out. Uh, Panthers are down 2 nothing, but the next game is tomorrow, game three on the 20th uh, at 6.30 on the road at Tampa, so make sure you guys have a chance to tune into that. And, Frank, um, hopefully we get to do this again because I definitely don't want it to be uh, a long time before we go talking again. Maybe we could talk some hoops or some football. Uh, definitely, definitely some football, some college football, and we can talk about FAU and what Willie has going on over there this season. Yeah, we've gotten some interesting uh, transfers now on campus. So uh, one of them uh, you, I'm sure you know very well down there in Miami. Yes, so, yes, well. yes. I am rooting, <laughs> rooting for him well, big time. Well, we're, we're, we're very excited to have him on campus. It's going to be an interesting quarterback battle come fall camp. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, Frank Fort. And um, we'll be right back after this break. Just stick around, and we will continue. Frank and I uh, have a weekly segment that we like to do, so we're going to just talk about that. And once again, thanks, Frank, for calling in. We really appreciate your time. All right, Mike. Have a great day. You do the same. Uh, we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Series 6 channel. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Series 6 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended 
after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed a drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're gonna knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Just like music. There's just times that I don't want to start an intro the segment because I'm jamming, you know? It's just how it is sometimes, but we're back with the final segment of the show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, and I appreciate everyone that's been tuning in from the beginning, talking a lot of hoops with Quezon Davis and Rich Perez Negron over with the uh, rundown show that they have. And we're going to keep doing that every week for the remainder of the playoffs because I have a feeling that we're in for some good basketball for the next couple of weeks. And then um, if you missed the last segment, Frank Fort joined us and we were talking some NHL playoffs, some Stanley Cup playoffs and, you know, the, how the Panthers are down 0-2, not to the same looking Tampa Bay team that uh, was uh, the same team that Tampa was fielding all year because they got some guys coming back. And so... They're down 0-2. We'll see how that's going. But to close out the show, everybody knows that Frank and I like to do just, you know, kind of chop it up and see, catch up and see how things have been going. But um, I wanted to ask you, Frank, last week, 
it was funny. And I, I only caught the end of it, all right? But you got to kind of bring me back up on it because it sounded like something that I would crack up about. What was this whole elevator music thing about? Because I, I, I caught the end of it and I was cracking up. I couldn't remember. All I know is Larry asked you to play some elevator music. You found some, and I'm <laughs> I didn't feel like I was in an elevator. Um, I think it had to do something like that. He had to like say like a giant story, like faster or something. I can't. Oh. I remember playing the elevator stuff, but I don't remember what the context behind <laughs> the elevator thing was. So it was for a student. Do you remember what the context was? Um, Hold on, I'm, I'm I'm discussing this with our producer back here. Please, please. But, We'll discuss it off, but um, <laughs> the, the, what I was just pretty much trying to do is just find elevator sounds, just to make it sound like we're in an elevator, because I think he told her to pitch something. I'll get those all the facts together. That was funny. Um, the other thing, Frank likes to consider himself, or you can't prove him different, he's the best driver in Miami, okay? He is the best driver in Miami, and I think, like the first time that I came in studio for a live show, there was a car chase going on down here, not too far from here in Miami, 95. You know how car chases go, one minute here, and then the next minute they're over in like two counties over. So I got to thinking about Frank because there's just, you know, anybody that drives in Florida knows that you got to have a lot of patience and you cannot drive yourself. You got to drive for the idiot next to you. And well, so my, grandmother, my grandmother used to tell me that you don't drive in your car. You have to drive in the car in front of you, behind you, and the ones next to you also. <laughs> there you go. That's probably some good advice to give a first-time driver, somebody with a learner's permit, okay? But I was on – I was getting on the turnpike. I forgot from where. And I wanted to scream because when – this is one of the things that ticked me off in traffic. When are people going to realize, Frank, that the entrance ramp, the on-ramp, is meant to speed up so that way when you get on the actual highway, you're not doing 40 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour, and you got to speed up. You're already doing 60, 65, 70. Well, that's the purpose of the merge lane. Oh, my God. That's the purpose oh. of the merge lane. And, yes, the merge lane means <laughs> when you get towards the end, it doesn't mean that as soon as you see the words merge, to dive no. into the lane. No. No, the reason why the lane extends and then very gradually, like a fade, gradually kind of just merges. Wow, what a concept. Merges into the other lane and so you can go ahead and do that all in a motion. <laughs> Like that whole, it's it, that whole zipper thing. You go, I go, you go, I go. It's one of those. So I was just thinking about Frank and traffic because I was like, oh, he would love this or hate it, obviously. But the other thing that ticks me off in traffic, Frank, and tell me if you feel the same. And it, it actually has nothing to do with me. That's the funny part. So let's say you're just driving down and you're going to make a right into wherever you're going. And you have your blinker on. Let's say it's an intersection, okay? The person that is at the intersection maybe wanting to come out they don't. And it doesn't even affect me, but you clearly see my blinker. You see I'm going to make a right. You could go ahead and leave. You could go ahead and make that right and come on. But no, they wait. And the reason it makes me mad is because I'm just picturing myself as behind that person. And it happens. How many times do you get to an intersection, the light's red, but you can clearly make a right because you're allowed to make a, a right under Florida law, and they don't. They have their, sometimes they don't have the blinker on, and you think they're going to go straight. But then when the light turns green... They make a right, oh, and there's no traffic coming at all. That's my biggest pet peeve in driving, man. Oh this is my God. biggest pet peeve. So if you're not going to make a right-hand turn, stay. go to the left. Don't even like, in that, be like, in that lane. There's times, there are times that you can't go around it because for whatever reason, like you have to stop at the last second or when you're stopping because okay. you don't want to hit the yellow or red light. As you're stopping, um, you kind of – I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> it's the cookies. I looked over to her, and I just <laughs> lost okay. my train of thought. I didn't even talk for that reason. 
She said, don't blame me. Okay, so there's times that you slow down and then the light catches you and then you have no other choice. So you're right. stuck in the right lane. And then you kind of look back and you're like, damn, man, I feel bad for you because I'm here <laughs> and you have your blinker on. And I sometimes I wave like, yo, my bad. Uh-huh. But it is what it is. But then you have those and then there's nobody coming. So then you even have the arrows for the cross traffic that they go. And you can clearly fit an airplane <laughs> to make a right-hand turn, but they still don't go. So you're like, all right, they're going to go straight. So then I play a game and I tell my wife, I go, I kid you not, if this guy pops a red turn at the light, le voy a meter el pitazo más grande del mundo. Uh-huh. And they go do that. And as I pass by, I honk at them and I wave. And you wave. Because you know, it just frustrates me. What am I going to do? Flick them off? Like, no, of course. No. Road rage. Frankisms 101. I think I'm going to adopt that Frankism on the road and just, yeah. I, because, it. Re- I mean, think about it. it. You don't even have to be in a rush. It's just the, 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 the fact of knowing the rules. And I'm not sitting here. I know all the rules of driving, but I know that one, and it's annoying as hell. And I don't know. There's just several instances in the uh, throughout the week that made me think of Frank when I was in traffic. And Frank, I know that I have another gym story that pissed me off the other day, man. Remember about the other guy uh, a couple weeks ago? I was telling you that he was sitting there popping pimples in front of me. Oh yeah, yeah. In the mirror. Okay. Well, same dude, right? Um, he wasn't popping pimples this time, but I'm, I'm on the I'm on the what was I? I was doing incline, and so. I'm big on gym etiquette. I'm sorry, but if you cannot put the the weights back where they belong, I mean in order. You don't go from 5 to 30 and you put the 50s with the No. Put them in order. Put them in weight order, numerical, chronological order, okay? Do that. So I, I'm big on re-racking. So I have, you know, the stuff on, on my uh, – on my um, on the bench that I'm at, I cannot stand. And for you gym goers out there, if you're one of these guys, stop doing it. Stop going over to the bench that someone's at and taking a plate, even if they're not using it, okay? Ask first. Don't assume that because this guy has whatever he has on the bench that he's not going to want to rack something else on there afterward. At least ask because you want to know what I went ahead and did, Frank? I went ahead and told him, um, I'm not using that, but I'm going to go ahead and take it back because you didn't know I was going to use it. He had a problem with it, but I didn't care. Like, that's just gym etiquette. And I hate it. I'm going to make a shirt that says, if you don't re-rack, you're an a-hole. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that because I- I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry for venting, but that's how it made me feel. Am I a jerk for going back to him and asking for a plate that I wasn't even going to use back to where I was working out at? Because it's just it's just, it's just the principle of, of the matter at that point, and I nope. was highly upset. <laughs> I was highly upset. If anybody else out there feels that way, good. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. But you're wrong for that. You are. Look, put weights back where they go. Re-rack. And clean after yourself, man. I know that, you know, the whole COVID thing and everybody's happy. You know, the mask. You don't have to wear them anymore. Okay, fine. But for certain people that still kind of like to keep themselves clean and kind of sanitize the area, do that. It's not just your gym, man. I can't stand that, Frank. I can't stand that. And, and, and he looked at me crazy. That's the bad part. I've never done it. I've never done something like that because it's just – I'm the type of guy that if I see you working out in the gym, okay, and you are standing, say, four feet away from the dumbbell rack, there's obviously enough space between the dumbbell rack and the person that's working out, using the mirror to work out, for anybody to walk in between them, right? I walk behind them. People don't think like that. People don't think like that. I'm also the type of person that if I plan on using the mirror that's behind the Dembo rack as, you know, a mirror to work out in, if there's somebody on a bench behind me, I I look. And I'm like, oh, let me just – all it takes is scooting over to the side. Common sense really, truly is not common in 2021, and it's really annoying. There's my gym soapbox, Frank. Sorry about that. (laughs) 
Yeah, man, it, it, it gets on my nerves, man. It really gets on my nerves. And guess what? You're going to be proud of me. I started watching Blow, but I didn't finish it. What did you get to? The TV started watching me at about seven minutes in. Seven minutes? I was How did you only get seven minutes into that movie? Like, the movie starts interesting. I, I, was, I, was, I was trying to tough it out, man. I was trying to tough it out, and I didn't. So I guess you could say I didn't even really start watching it. No, you got to start over again. <laughs> But I was thinking about you, too, and for those of you that aren't aware, a couple of weeks ago we started talking about, uh, you know, movies, and Frank was telling me to get off air right there, right now, and to score, go start watching Blow. Obviously, I didn't do that, but um, there's just a bunch. So if I was to sit here and name you the list of movies that I have yet to see, you would probably disown me as a friend. Wow, like that? Yeah, man. It's, it's some really, really good ones there. Uh, what's the one with, uh, oh, my God. One of these Will Smith ones that I haven't seen yet. It was one of these older good movies that I haven't seen. It came out like in 90-something. And I'm a big Will Smith fan. Enemy of the State, man. Enemy of the State. I haven't seen Enemy of the State. Wow. That's the, is that the, the movie that, that you were thinking of? No, no, no. He's not an Enemy of the State. That's yes, he is. Him. He is? Yeah. That was him? Okay. No, I haven't seen it. Wow. I haven't seen that one. Um, there's a lot of them. I mean, Larry got on me for not having seen the third installment of The Godfather, but apparently I have to watch that one. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> He said it pulls it all together. And, it does, you know. it does. It does pull it all together, but I haven't, I've seen it in pieces. It wasn't a big deal. Scarface guy. Yes, same here. Scarface guy. And I didn't know that a lot of that was filmed in L.A., for those of you that weren't aware. We had, we talked, again, we talked about this. We're kind of going back in history here. But um, I, I really just wanted to talk to you about the talking, the, the driving thing, man, because ever since you, ever since the day I met you and you self-proclaimed yourself as the best driver in Miami, there are several instances in which I'm behind the wheel. And I'm like, Frank would like this one. I, I, I wish I could record it and that there was a way that I could like multicast it or multi, you know, stream it here so you can see what the hell happens. Because I swear the things that happen to me on the street only happen to me. The things that happen to Michael McCoy only happen to Michael McCoy. Oh, I feel the same way when I tell stories of things that happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my friends are trying to buy me a dash cam. Because they're afraid, they're, they're, they're already upset with all my stories. Like, they want to see some real life action. So I told them that they're going to have to buy a microphone so they can attach to the dash cam because they're going to want my narration along with it. Oh, now that I would pay for. And then you got to put it on Instagram and tag like date only or something. So when I was doing media school, I guess it was the motivation of media school to do this. Uh -huh. Also, because the motivation was a grade. But um, I did, I started this like little mini series called Frank's Ta Traffic Tantrum. Oh and it was pretty God. much me driving. I was, I had a little ledge on my phone <laughs> that I was able to place it perfect. And I was just able to record it. And I just recorded myself driving through, like I'm away from work home, <laughs> talking sports and just commentating on people's driving. Um, one of them's on YouTube, I'm sure. No still. way. But I used to just go ahead and just comment and just go crazy. The only problem was that it was just, it took, it was so time consuming to edit that I had to edit it that same night because if uh. I edited it the next day, by the time that it played, everything was already old. Old. Yeah. Like, because I was commenting, it was something was on a Panther uh, playoff series. Another thing was on the Marlins and the Cubs or something. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but I know that since I'm talking sports and when I'm talking about things that are happening that night. Right. Then it's it's time consuming, right? I would, I have to find the video that's on YouTube because I would pay to listen to the commentary. I could care less about the video. I I think the audio was probably more golden than the video because I know how you are, I know how you think, and that would be radio gold. I gotta I gotta see how we can maybe get that on there. I don't know, but <laughs> we're running out of time here and we're out of time. And I just want to give a, a special shout out again. Thanks for Kason Davis and uh, Rich Perez Negron for calling in, talking some NBA hoops. We are going to make that a weekly thing for the rest of the NBA play. 
playoffs. So stick around with that if you guys want to catch them again next week. And then, of course, for Frank Fort calling in and imparting his wisdom, talking some uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and the Florida Panthers and their outlooks for the rest of the series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're out of time, but we will be back same place, same time next week. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. Stay safe, everyone. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio.